Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Andrew Swart, who's been on the uh, episode, or sorry, been on the podcast a couple of times now. Um, and he's the global mining and metals leader at Deloitte. Andrew's been on the podcast, like I said, a few times now. Um, and he's going to talk about a recent report they've released around annual tracking, um, tracking the trends report, um, closing the trust deficit. So let's get straight into this and uh, welcome, Andrew. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing very well, thank you, Rob. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. As we, as we were speaking just uh, before recording, it's um, it's snowing here in the UK, so um, but all is good. I'm I'm indoors now, so uh, so um, it's not affecting me too much. Oh, it's um, the middle of winter here in Canada, so we're in the same boat as you are. So. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to even give us a brief overview of of the report, um, and then I've got some obviously questions to uh, to ask you. Um, on obviously more findings that, that obviously that you've discovered on in doing the actual report. Sure, no problem. So look, tracking the trends is um, you know one of our signature publications. Uh, this particular year is uh, its thirteenth edition, and um, so we're very very excited about that. And um, I've been quite involved in uh, this report for probably the last six or seven years. Uh, and really, what the report does is it it takes a look at what are the big trends that are shaping the mining industry in, in the year ahead. It's always a bit of a difficult process as we sort of whittle down these trends and you know, try and get down to the 10 that we think are really the big sort of shapers and drivers of, of, of the industry. Um, and uh, yeah, we released this last week just in time for uh, mining in Daba, which is of course is the big uh, Cape Town based South African conference and uh, of course virtual this year, but uh, didn't, didn't stop us going live with the, with the report and, and we're very excited with the feedback that we've got from it so far. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I've been to the Indaba myself, uh, self a couple of times and um, um, wished I could have, uh, wished it was actually um, live as well. So um, no, that's all good. Um, so what is the overall theme that dominates uh, this year tracking the trends? Yeah, so look, every year we we sort of step back from the ten, the 10 trends and we sort of look at, hey, what's the central narrative that sort of tends to run or dominate through these particular trends? And so this year, um, it, it is what we called closing the trust deficit. And, and let me kind of elaborate a little bit more on that. So in the middle of last year, the World Economic Forum actually put out a, a report which um, uh, cited that trust was the number one risk facing the mining industry as reported by the mining industry. And so, you know, as we, as we went into this year's, um, this year's report, you know, what's interesting for us is that the mining industry is at this very critical stage or juncture point, as I might say. On the one hand, um, it is an industry which is absolutely key to, um, you know, a lower carbon future and energy transition. But on the other hand, it is an industry that is, highly undercapitalized, right? So just by, you know, quick stat here, something like if you took all the mining companies in, in the world and you looked at the market cap of that, you'd get to something like $1.3 trillion. 
Um, if you looked at the market cap of one particular stock, like Apple, you'd be somewhere in the range of like $2 trillion. So <clears throat> the industry is just very undercapitalized. And so there is, there is a, uh, a lack of trust or a trust deficit in our view with respect to investors. You know, similarly, this is an industry which um, has the potential to drive huge amounts of job creation in different parts of the world. Yet it's not necessarily uh, an industry which is the first destination for talent. Right? So as I speak to mining executives around the world, particularly HR executives, you know, uh, talent and finding top talent continues to be a, a real struggle for, for the industry. Um, you know, it's also an industry which in our view, has done an excellent job over the course of COVID-19 um, in the way that they've opened up medical facilities, brought in PPE using their supply chains into different portions of the world, um, you know, made substantial donations into different host communities to deal with this particular crisis, et cetera. But yet on the other hand, um, it's also an industry which is likely going to be the target for governments around the world, you know, for tax increases and, and royalty increases as companies look to claw back their deficits. Um, and so when you look across these different stakeholder groups of investors, talent, you know, community, government, and even society at large, you know, we believe that there's a trust deficit there that needs to be closed. And so really the theme um, this year is how the mining industry is doing that, but could also be doing more along those lines. Um, and we cite that across our 10 trends. Okay. Um, and obviously given how COVID has disrupted economies um, around the world. Um, what can mining companies do to build more resilience um, business strategies? So look, the, the key theme here, and I guess the key competency that mining companies need to drive is one around scenario planning, right? So we, we don't know how the world is going to play out in the next couple of years. You know, I think we all hope for the vaccine. Um, but, you know, as the news unfolds from week to week, we see new variants. We see different vaccines, some which, you know, are more or less efficacious against uh, some of these particular um, you know, strains. Um, you know, we see uncertainty around vaccine distribution um, and how that's getting into different portions of, uh, of the market. And so, you know, I think we all hope that as we move through this year, we get out of this crisis and, and life returns to normal. The reality is that, you know, it could go on longer. Um, and so what we've done in this particular report is we've created four very divergent scenarios, um, all of which we believe are highly credible. And, and I think our challenge to mining companies is to say, hey, hold your strategy up against these particular scenarios and say, hey, if the world actually played out like this, what would be the implication for you, right? Um, would you pivot your strategy in a different way? Would you engage with your communities or government stakeholders in a different way? Would you make different investments? Um, and so the name of the game has really been about creating dynamic strategy and using scenario planning as a, as a real tool to build this resiliency within the organizations. Yeah. And do mining companies, have they thought about some of these sort of strategies that you're proposing yeah, absolutely. I mean, over the course of the year, we've, we've done various roundtables with, with executives around some of these sort of strategies and in particular areas um, uh, where, for example, we've got a group of mining companies, you know, together to sort of think through talent implications around some of these and, and how would they do things differently un under those sort of circumstances. So, you know, I'd say 
Um, for a lot of the leading miners, scenario planning is a tool that some of them use, but I would not say that it is um, you know, pervasive across the industry, but it is an extremely valuable strategy tool that, that could and should be deployed. Yeah. Um, and how can mining companies use um, M&A to build trust among their stakeholders? Yeah, so look, again, we are obviously in the midst of... Um, of this green energy transition, right? And uh, and so what I what we do see is mining companies, a lot of them reevaluating their portfolios, right? How do you take advantage of this move towards green um, and uh, and critical minerals? Um, by the same token, you know, mining companies are under pressure from an ESG perspective, right? Potentially to shed particular assets. Um, but you also have some mining companies who are looking at this new landscape and saying, you know, how do we, how can we capture more value? How can we attract investors back into the sector? And so there's anything from a, a range of, um, of, uh, of options where I think for some firms, it's about, hey, you know, if I'm at the wrong end of the commodity cycle, how do I, uh, how do I defend my current position? You know, perhaps... Um, for other companies, it's going to be about raising their competitiveness in particular um, commodities as they relook at their portfolio. For some others, it might be to actually go into some adjacent industries. We've had you know, companies who are, are looking at sort of creating new businesses, new business models, um, and experimenting with that. And I think M&A plays a, an important role across that whole spectrum. Um, by the same token, though, you know, when we look at the last commodity cycle, um, you know, uh, run up, you saw a lot of mining companies making very unwise M&A decisions, you know, paying real premiums for, for certain assets because they believed that commodity prices would go higher and higher. So I think the industry as a whole, and I think this goes back to the trust issue, has not done a good job of creating trust with investors and showing that they are good stewards of capital. So a lot of this is also just about getting back to basics, getting back to um, a lot of these kind of threshold or table stakes type issues of being good stewards of capital, showing you know, that you can return um, you know, reliable and, and consistent dividends you know, year in and year out, um, that you do have a very strong, strong and compelling growth story um, to, to the market. And so um, I think all of these are, are, are nested issues where, um, uh, which is critical in building that trust and, and getting investors to return back into the sector. Yeah, um, you mentioned um, some of the mining companies looking at other industries to sort of model what they do. Was there any particular industries that they focus on or, or would you suggest a good industry that they should focus on? Well, look, I mean, I think what you are seeing is, um, particularly when we get into the so-called green and, and, and kind of critical minerals type, type areas, um, you know, I think what we're seeing is either, uh, we've seen some mining companies maybe forward integrating into, um, uh, into how some of those minerals are actually being used by the same token you've got some manufacturers that are backward integrating into mines to sort of create sort of security of supply so um, I think there are those kinds of interesting moves or transitions um, you know similarly what we've also seen is some mining companies looking to capitalize on particular technologies and saying hey you know we've got these particular technologies which allow us 
um, to, um, to exploit some of these minerals or extract some of these minerals in a way that other people cannot. Um, and so, you know, how do they license, preserve that particular technology, perhaps create new business models around that. So a lot of this is around the adjacencies and, the, and sort of the adjacent industries in the value chain. Okay. And do you see elevated level of importance of um, ESG as it relates to trust? Oh, a- a- absolutely. So, you know, last year, it was our number one trend, um, you know, straight out of the gate in our, um, in our 12th publication. And it's been incredible to see how that topic has been elevated over the course of of the last year in particular, right? Um, so there isn't a mining company who you know, you're talking to right now who isn't thinking about ESG in some way because of the pressure that they're actually getting from, um, from investors, right? And from their broader stakeholders. And so what's interesting is when you look at our trends this year is we don't just have it once, but we have it three times. So we've actually, we've taken ESG and we've decoupled it. So we actually focus on the E, we focus on the S, and we focus on the G. Um, and we talk about those in sort of more, more detail because we do believe that this is a very pivotal is- issue, which again speaks to the trust with all of these kind of stakeholder groups. I think, again, in order for for society and for communities uh, you know, at large to, um, to have that trust, in the mining industry, they need to see some of those commitments around decarbonization. They need to see, you know, transparency from a governance perspective. They need to see how key investments that are being made at the community level are driving sustainable outcomes. And so those are important for those stakeholder groups, but they're also critical for investors who are under pressure further down the stream from, you know, institutional investors and from, um, from, you know, retail investors. And so, you know, banks, fund managers, et cetera, this is a, this is a key issue for them. Yeah. Um, how's digital transformation uh, in the mining evolved over the last few years? And what should mining companies be sort of focusing on now? Yeah. So talking about evolution, Rob, I mean, uh, we, we, we probably first started featuring, uh, you know, innovation and digitalization in our trends maybe six years ago, you know, and I, I, I remember six years ago when we first launched a, a trend on, on innovation, um, you know, there were a lot of mining companies who looked at us like, well, we were crazy, you know, and at that stage, I think it was 2014 or so, we were in a very bad spot from a, from a, from a, um, uh, commodity cycle perspective. And so, uh, uh, you know, talking about innovation, you know, you were almost like somebody coming from Mars and, uh, and talking about something absolutely crazy. And so it's been interesting how that trend over the last couple of years has evolved from, you know, innovation into the broader theme around digital, you know, we've had, we've featured trends on analytics as an example, we've um, uh, done, you know, trends on, you know, automation um, within, within particular minds. But, you know, this year we've continued to evolve the trend and we've tackled it from the perspective of, of integrated operations. And so integrated operations is increasingly becoming, um, you know, a key theme that we see in taking hold within the mining industry. And so what is, what does integrated operations mean? So 
for, for some people, they when they think about integrated operations, they just think about you know what we call IROCs or um, you know remote operating centers. Um, and while you know technology is a portion of this, really at its heart, what integrated operations is is the ability. Uh, to be able to look at a, at a mining company, a, a mining asset, uh, a collection of assets, and look at that in a very systemic way to understand the trade-offs in the decision-making, being able to provide transparency to, um, uh, to the operators in order to make those kind of trade-off, uh, trade-off decisions. Um, and so looking at that in a very integrated way. Now, for some that actually does translate into some form of an IROC. But there are many companies who are moving towards integrated operations without putting um, in place an IROC. But this level of, of integration is key because, you know, why there's a lot of inefficiency trapped within mining operations. Uh, mining operations are typically highly siloed. People are optimizing for their particular portion of the value chain. And so I think if mining companies are looking to unlock large amounts of value through digitization. It's not just technology that's gonna get them there. It's actually the philosophy of integrated operations, which is all about the people. It's all about the process. It's all about the culture um, that needs to then be uh, embedded and, in, um, and entrenched within those particular operations. Okay. Um, how's COVID-19 impacted or, or accelerated uh, the movement to a new future of work? Yeah, so you know, we've spoken about future of work for years, right? And um, uh, certainly for the last sort of five years. And it was always one of these things, which is, oh, it's going to happen in the future. And then, of course, March last year arrived and all of our lives changed and we all suddenly landed in the future of the work. Um, so what's accelerating? We've seen a lot of mining companies really questioning the need for big corporate head offices and saying, hey, do we scale those back dramatically and, you know, decentralize to our operations? You know, do we need as much floor space and real, real estate space that we actually needed um, before? Do we actually get key functions to actually work more remotely? No, none of this means that the corporate head office is going to go away or the conventional office environment is going to go away. But, you know, there is, there's definitely a move uh, afoot, particularly within back office services. You know, obviously from, um, from the more operational, you know, role perspective, um, I think obviously you're going to continue to need people kind of on the ground though, you know, using tele-remote type systems, you know, you'll see some of those, those operations actually move outside of the mine, uh, mine site as well. And so in this trend, we haven't focused on, you know, the shift to future work, because I think there is an acceleration of that. What we really focus on is to say, this is going to be the new reality. And so what are the implications for leadership and for culture? Right. So if you do have this highly decentralized environment, you do have more people in back offices working from home, you, um, you know, you don't have a lot of that sort of human connectivity. How do you how do you maintain culture in an organization? And then the flip side of that is what kind of leaders do we actually need? So as we reflect on the drive towards integrated operations, or we reflect on the, uh, the need for resiliency through scenarios, or we think about the trends that we've highlighted around ESG, these, partic these particular trends imply 
different kind of leadership characteristics going forward. Um, and so our challenge to sort of leaders and to organizations is to say, hey, COVID has accelerated a bunch of things. It's accelerated ESG, it's accelerated digitization. You know, it's made future of work reality. You know, think a bit about what are the leadership characteristics that you need in order to make you a more competitive, more sustainable organization as you go into the future. Yeah, and do you think leaders need to learn new skills because of obviously what's happened? And if so, what kind of skills do you think that's, that may be important? Yeah, so look, I think the new skills are right across the, um, across the spectrum, right? So at the board level, I, I see, you know, mining companies and boards, you know, looking at these particular issues and saying, wow, you know, how do we get up to speed with regard to society's and investors' requirements around ESG and digitization and, and all these kind of areas? I think at the management level, you're seeing new kinds of skills, as I've already mentioned, around, you know, future of work and building in resiliency um, and, you know, accountability and, uh, and driving towards integrated operations. I think, you know, at the at the operational level, you're seeing new skills from a from a digital and analytics perspective. Um, you know, for several mining companies, we've been rolling out what we call digital academies to basically build up these competencies within within organizations going forward. And so, I think um, I think all of this sort of spans new skill sets at uh, at all kinds of levels within within mining firms. Yeah, and lastly, um, with the increased demand of alternative um, energy sources and electric vehicles. How are you seeing this impact the demand and supply of uh, key minerals? Yeah, so this is probably one of the most you know interesting shifts that um, that we uh, that we see out there. And uh, we've actually got an article coming out in the next I think month or so on the on the geopolitics of uh, of lithium. So you know readers should kind of watch out for that. Um, but the, this concept of geopolitics is very much nested in the whole conversation about, around green and critical minerals. And so you go back 18 months ago, um, the U.S. government took the lead, got about nine other um, countries around the world to sort of sign up to their sort of energy um, you know, resource uh, uh, initiative. And, um, uh, and what this governance initiative you know, really does is it looks to embed sustainable practices in the extraction of these green and critical minerals kind of around the world. Um, and, you know, why is that? It's a policy response um, largely to China because China has locked up a bunch of these resources in, in different portions of, of the world. And so this is a bit of a, a Western response um, to security of supply. And, um, and I think that's having a bunch of knock-on effects, right? So as... Um, as you see renewables, as you see battery uh, electric vehicles, as you see this transition to green uh, green energy accelerating over the next couple of years, you know the demand for fundamental, um, you know, building blocks for a lot of those, um, you know, batteries, uh, you know, things like lithium or nickel or cobalt or, um, you know, even you know copper, etc. The demand for all of those minerals is is increasing, and so this this is a topic where there's a geopolitical angle to it. I think there's a huge opportunity from a mining company perspective to begin to reshape their portfolios. But there's also really a big you know, ESG component to this because how those minerals are actually sourced and utilized um, uh, and extracted at the end of the day has a big impact, right? People, when they get into their 
battery electric um, you know, vehicle at the end of the day, which might have 180 pounds of copper in it and a whole bunch of other minerals, you know, sort of want to know that those minerals have been extracted in a sustainable way, that, you know, they've been extracted using low carbon sources and mining companies are large consumers of, of, of energy. And so I think you get into issues of traceability, you get into issues of, you know, decarbonization of mining companies um, themselves um, to give that surety to end consumers. And so this whole space around green and critical minerals, I think, will shape the industry in, in several ways, as I've mentioned. Yeah. Andrew, really appreciate your time in uh, providing uh, um, this uh, report and giving um, information around the track and the trends. How can any of our listeners um, and viewers who are watching this on YouTube, how can they um, obtain the report? Great. So, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me, Rob. Um, it's, it's always great to be on your, on your podcast. And uh, uh, it's certainly a, you know, a well-followed podcast and uh, has got a, a great following. Um, I, uh, in terms of getting a hold of the report, really just you know, head onto your favorite browser and, uh, and search for Deloitte Tracking the Trends 2021 and the report will come up and uh, you can download each of the trends individually or you can you know, download them as kind of one bundle. And we really challenge people to, you know, A, not only uh, challenge us on our on our findings and and what we put out there, but also you know to maybe challenge themselves, hold up their own corporate strategies against those particular trends, and say, does this create new opportunities? Does this also you know threaten um, key portions of our business? And, and what do we do about that? So uh, really looking forward to the feedback on it. Yeah, uh, we're trying to um, include the, the report in our show notes accompanying this. Um, and obviously, any other reports that you have produced recently and ongoing, obviously, they can uh, go and um, reach you, obviously, via uh, some of the media that you've just mentioned. So um, really appreciate your time. Um, again, anyone listening, appreciate if you can uh, share share this um, episode amongst your friends, family, etc. Um, and also, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, Again, appreciate if you can like and share share this um, video as well. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.